Welcome to the Soul Seeker Sisterhood podcast, where we talk all things spiritual, mystical, and transformational to inspire you at a soul level and expand your consciousness. Welcome to this week's episode. I'm going to be chatting with Sarah Sanders today. Sarah is a certified personal trainer and nutritionist, as well as a Hashimoto warrior. She is passionate about helping women heal and manage their Hashimoto's through mind, body, and spiritual healing techniques and focuses on the whole person rather than just the diagnosis. She's the founder of The Thyroid Trainer and lives in New York with her husband, toddler, and rescue cat, Jules Verne, which I just met just then. (laughs) He's so cute on camera. (laughs) Thank you. Welcome to the show, Sarah. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And I'm really excited. Yeah, I think this is going to be a really juicy conversation. We chatted the other day about some of this and it was just such a nice deep dive into into everything. So I know our conversation went in so many different directions last time and I hope that kind of happens again while we're recording so that people can really get a bit out of it because I know I got a lot out of it chatting to you. So it would be great to start with talking to you a little bit about your story and tell the listeners about what Hashimoto's is and how you discovered you actually had this. Sure. So it's becoming more prevalent and well-known right now. When I was first diagnosed in 2014, like, no, I'd never heard of it. I had no idea what it was, but now it's like one in five women have it. Most of them don't even know. So the main symptoms, like the telltale signs that it could be Hashimoto's is just unexplained fatigue, rapid weight gain, unexplained weight gain, mood issues like anxiety, depression, hair loss. That was a big symptom I had. I had like really bad depression, malaise. Like you just don't want to do anything. Weight gain, my hair was falling out and I was 27 at the time. And I was like, what is going on with my body? And I'd been in the health and fitness industry for five years then. And I'm like, okay, I'm working out. Like, you know, I work out for a living. I'm eating well. I don't know what's going on. And so I went to the doctors and a couple of them, you know, were just like, oh, it's depression here. Take an antidepressant. Our one doctor was like, oh, you're probably low in vitamin D. Just take some vitamin D. And while I was low in vitamin D, that wasn't the main issue. (laughs) And then finally, I happened upon this functional medicine doctor in New York City. And I honestly described him as like a homeopathic wizard because he has solved all my problems multiple times. He's healed me multiple times. And he was the first doctor who did this really intense blood test where he just takes a drop of blood on a slide and he's able to tell you all these things about your body. So it came back that I had Hashimoto's. I have this autoimmune disease, which is Hashimoto's. My thyroid function was low. I was extremely toxic. I was very inflamed. I had parasites. I had SIBO, which is small intestinal bacteria overgrowth. I had candida. I had Epstein-Barr virus. I had all these things just like in my body. And it was like the perfect storm. Plus I was stressed out, working too much, never relaxing. You know, I was like, go, go, go. I have to do everything. I live in New York City, never taking a break. And it just caught up with me. Mm. So it was this crazy journey of finding out what it was and then healing, you know, and it, it's still, the healing is an ongoing process, but I took a couple months to really work with him and 
kind of manage all my symptoms and get back to a really good place where I could function again. And what it is, is kind of misdiagnosed. A lot of people think it's a thyroid disease. So they try and treat the thyroid when actually it's an autoimmune disease. So your immune system is overactive and attacking your body because of what other, whatever triggers that you personally have for me, you know, I had Epstein-Barr virus. My body was trying to get rid of the Epstein-Barr virus, but in turn it was, you know, attacking my thyroid. I was also eating gluten. I have a gluten allergy that I didn't know about until I went found this doctor. So I cut out gluten. So there's so many things you can do to calm down the immune system. And that's the biggest key in managing this disease is not treating it as a thyroid disease, but it's really an autoimmune disease. Yeah. It's amazing because I think it's something that's obviously got symptoms that could go into so many different areas. And so people must feel like maybe it's, there's mental health things that I need to work through maybe like that. And you would probably be going to people and seeing for that individual symptom you're experiencing, but it's actually a lot of symptoms coming together to diagnose yourself with that. Right. And that's, what's so tricky because the thyroid does affect so many systems in the body. You have all these Mm. symptoms, you know, they come, it affects the brain, the mood, the body, the endocrine system, your liver, your gut health. So it's really, you know, it's tough to diagnose and I get that, but like, that's the, I mean, that's kind of why I started my business is because I wanted to help people who are struggling with this be someone that I wish I had when I was first diagnosed and kind of like hold hands, lend a helping hand to people. Because it's really, I mean, it's a beast of a disease and there's so much information out there. So it's kind of, you have to figure out, and it's so individualized. That's the other thing is you can't, what works for someone may not work for someone else. So you really have to figure out what your own triggers are your own root causes, and then work on healing those. So is there actually a diagnosis to this? You know how sometimes it's, they sort of put, look at all these symptoms, they look at all the individual things and say, yes, you've got all of that. And then they say, this is sort of what you've got. Or is there a, is there a way to say to someone, probably people listening, thinking this is maybe ticking some boxes for them. Is there a way to actually 100% know that you have this condition? Yes. So you would have a full thyroid panel done. And what happens is most doctors don't check for antibodies. So there's two thyroid antibodies. And if your blood test comes back positive that you have these antibodies, then you have Hashimoto's. So some people can have hypothyroidism, which is just low thyroid function. You know, you probably need to be put on thyroid medication, but your body isn't attacking itself. It's not attacking its own thyroid. Whereas Hashimoto's is one of the main causes of hypothyroidism. So this autoimmune disease causes hypothyroidism and that's when you have the antibodies. But if your blood work comes back and you know maybe your thyroid's just low, your TSH is a little high, your T4 is low, but there's no antibodies, then that's just hypothyroidism. And then you don't have to deal with the autoimmune part of it. Okay. So there's actually a definite way because it's definite. Yeah. If you have these antibodies, you 100% have Hashimoto's. Yeah. That's amazing because I know for some people, they never really get that full diagnosis and that can be right. And that's why you kind of have to push your doctor 
you think you have this disease and you want to get the thyroid panel done, most doctors only test TSH and maybe free T4. They really won't test reverse T3. They won't test free T3. And some of them don't even do the antibodies. But I think it's a really important diagnosis to have because they're two different diseases and you need to treat them differently. And is it something that if you've got this condition that, you know, you will never obviously get rid of it because it's an autoimmune and the autoimmune system is very complex. So if you didn't treat this, would you just get worse until you were at a point where, you know, you're just sort of desperate for answers? Like, or will it ever stabilize itself naturally? Yeah. I kind of think that's what happened to me is I, it starts out really small. Maybe you'll be bloated here or there. And that was probably my body telling me I was allergic to gluten. And I just didn't like know enough at the time. And it just, it's kind of like a snowball effect. One system will be affected. Maybe you'll be really tired and then maybe the weight will start packing on and then your mental health will be affected. You'll, you'll get really depressed and then you'll have brain fog. And it really is kind of like, the snowball perfect storm of symptoms. And I think that's when most people get tested is they're just at their wits end. Like, you know, you don't want to live like this. When this disease is that bad, like when I was at my worst, you don't want to live another day feeling like this. I felt awful. No joy, no joy in life. There's nothing I wanted to do. All I did was just sit on my couch watch TV and feel sorry for myself and cry because I was so, you know, I was depressed, which was part of the disease, but I also had no answers and I didn't know what was going on. But the good news is, is that while you may not be able to get rid of this autoimmune disease, you can manage it and you can put it in remission. Mm. So you can get your antibodies down to zero. And if that happens, then this is in remission And you just need to keep doing what you're doing and keep it like that. Keep your body in a nice level homeostasis. So it is possible to live symptom-free. I live pretty close to symptom-free and still, you know, I still go out and have a glass of wine, have a martini, have fun and enjoy my life. There's just, I just don't eat bread. You know, I don't eat gluten. Lifestyle changes you have to make. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things that's quite unique about how you've approached this is looking at this condition and you've also supported a lot of other people that you work with at the moment about focusing on the whole mind, body and spirit rather than one aspect. So talk me through why this was such a sort of powerful approach for you to look at the whole rather than one element of yourself. Well, I think, you know, a lot of people focus on the body and then we all know us in like the wellness and fitness field, we know that there's a mind body connection. You know, your thoughts affect your behaviors and affect the choices you make. And so you really have to pull in that, you know, mindfulness and positive thought aspect of this healing journey. And then, you know, something I kind of learned along the way was that, yes, I was addressing my mind and body, but there's also this huge part of us, the soul, that it makes up who we are. And if you aren't healing your soul, if you're doing things that are maybe not aligned with your higher good or your highest self or your spirit, then that's going to affect your mind and body. And it's kind of, if you're in a, a toxic workplace or you're 
have a toxic relationship with someone or you're in situations where you don't feel good about what's going on, you know, that will affect your soul, which will then affect your mind and body. So I really kind of had this whole, it was like this full body healing moment where it's like, okay, you really need to focus on this aspect too. And kind of what I did was just kind of listen to that voice inside myself, start meditating, try and connect, you know, to my higher good, my highest self, do spiritual work and just kind of get rid of any, you know, negative feelings, really. They're all going to crop up, but like depression or jealousy or, you know, not feeling like you have enough when there's so much to be grateful for. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of, it's just an interesting aspect of the whole mind and body healing, pulling this spiritual work into it. And I know that you've mentioned before that it's really important to heal the spirit in order to Mm -hmm. then go on and heal the mind and the body. And, you know, I know that that's something that you called upon when you were so unwell was, you know, like I need to, like, I've got to go to this place. I've got to go to that because I need to make myself better. So maybe mention something about, tell us a little bit what that was like for you to, to really get in touch with your soul so that you could heal yourself properly. Yeah. You know, I kind of, when you're that sick and you're alone with your thoughts, you can really go some dark places. So I really had, I did Reiki Mm. energy healing with this woman out in LA who's amazing because I just needed support with that. And then I got really into working with angels and archangels. So, while I'm not like a super religious person, I'm a very spiritual person. I think one of the things that helps so much with this and healing in general, and if you're in a bad situation and your health is at stake and your mind's in bad places, just believing in something bigger than yourself, Mm. because that really just helps to put things in perspective. All here on this rock hurtling through space, and we're not meant to lay on the couch and waste our lives crying. That's what I would tell myself. Like you're not meant to just lay on this couch and be miserable. Like that's your life. No, you have to figure this out. And that's when I really got, you know, I had to give myself my own kick in the butt to find the answers, seek out the answers, find someone who could help me. And at night, what I would do is I would just pray. I would pray to my guardian angels any of my ancestors, any spirits, you know, my spirit guides. And the one, it's Archangel Raphael is the Archangel of Healing. And he's surrounded by this gorgeous green emerald light. So I would always call out to him and be like, please help me. Please help me find the answers. You know, I always just ask, please help me feel better. Please help me, you know, find the answers that I need. And please help me get better and not feel like this. And, you know, I did that every night. I would do that every night. Sometimes takes a little bit, but they do hear you and they do listen. And so I really feel like that helped me a lot. And just find the answer, (laughs) you know, you did get that. I did. I did. And even, you know, when I would go through my, I went through two flares and it was the same thing. I had to go back and just be like, please help me get through this. Please give me the strength. You know, my Reiki 
this woman who does Reiki on me is amazing. And she's like, one of your spirit guides is this woman, Mary. And she's a very like short and stout woman. And if you ever need strength, call on her. She's, she will give you strength. So then I'd started calling on her. I'm like, Mary, give me the strength to get up in the morning. You know, just like things, I just go to bed, just like praying. And eventually, you know, I did, I think it was like a big part, a big part. And then just making choices that aligned with my highest good. And just, we're here to help people figuring out what my, my role in this lifetime is and doing things that aligned with that versus maybe doing things that aligned with my ego or something. You know, spiritual work is very tricky because, you know, we're dealing with a very deep part of yourself. And, you know, some people might be scared of it because we do have, we're not all perfect. We all do have a shadow side. We've all done things that maybe we're not proud of, but the good thing is you, you don't have to live your life like that and you can make different choices. It's interesting because I've come across so many people where they've had illness and at an yeah. extreme and in yeah. that moment they've had to really sit with themselves and it's sort of I feel like maybe it's an innate thing in the humans that we suddenly realize we are calling to something bigger than ourselves even if we didn't we would say I know people that would say that they don't believe in anything higher than themselves right but in that moment of where it's just really hard and it's you're not in a good place so many will revert back to something higher than themselves to come and support themselves. And it is almost like talking to that higher part of you, whichever that is, whether that's angels or guides, whatever you, you know, mm-hmm. your high, just your higher self to come and help you, whether you call it praying, meditation, whatever, however you phrase right. it, we call out to that. And it's just interesting because it's a very common theme when people are so unwell. And it's almost like you're redirecting where your life needs to go onto a new path. Yeah. Cause I think you're so you're at this rock bottom and I don't think we're alone here. I, I think there is something, you know, I don't know what it is, but there's gotta be something. So <laughs> that's what I call out to. I'm like, whatever's the highest, you know, whatever is up there energy, you know, energy, it could be light. It helps so yeah. much. It really does. Like knowing, knowing that you're not alone. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, healing is obviously a journey that's going to be different for everyone that's experiencing right. what they're going through. But what are some of the things that you see people maybe getting wrong when it comes to healing themselves? Because you work with a lot of people that are in that phase of wanting to make themselves better in some capacity right. with their health. So what are some of the things that maybe we get a little bit confused with and get wrong with healing? I think just the notion that it's like this quick fix. You know, I constantly remind my clients, like, listen, this is a marathon. It's not a sprint and it's not linear. It's not this straight line of, you know, I just do this and I do this and I do this and then I'm going to feel better. There are bumps in the road. There are going to be setbacks. There are going to be challenges and it's up to you to, you know, find the strength within yourself and then also draw on the strength of others, whether it's me as a coach or your doctors or your family or your friends, but you can't do this alone either. That's another thing is you can't, I mean, it really helps to have people supporting you, people who've been there 
And you are in this for the long haul because, I mean, it's not easy. There are so many things going on in your body. Everything takes time. Hashimoto's didn't just pop up one day. It was like a perfect storm of maybe, maybe it started when I, I used to get a strep throat a lot as a child. So I was on amoxicillin all the time, which now doctors, functional medicine doctors are saying, you know, if you're put on antibiotics so young and so often, that's going to destroy your gut bacteria. So that is probably not a good thing. I was on birth control from a young age because I had such painful periods, Mm. which in hindsight is probably endometriosis, but I never went and got the ultrasound to confirm. Yeah. (laughs) But being on birth control did not do me any favors with my hormones. It's also been shown it could be a trigger for Hashimoto's just because of the hormone levels and what it does to your body. So like this did not happen just out of thin air one day. It was years decades in the making. It's interesting. Um, I can see that it's really, you have to stop and reflect on your life. Right. And health can be one of those things that does make you do that, that you've got to stop and really analyze phases of your life and what was going on and what maybe led you to that, that point. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what a good functional medicine doctor will do is ask you, you know, did you have any surgeries? Were you ever on antibiotics? You know, were you on birth control and just kind of figure out a complete health history. And also like, I was just talking with a client earlier who mentioned, she's like, you know, I'm working with a therapist because I have some trauma that I need to resolve and heal. And I was like, good. I was like, because trauma, if you've, I mean, we've all been through some sort of trauma, but trauma stays in your body Mm. and, you know, it can affect your health. And if you don't actively work on healing that trauma, and either releasing it or getting rid of it, it's going to affect you. And I think, you know, an interesting thing that I actually, our conversation kind of sparked this thought. I was thinking about ancestral trauma Mm. because I was like, why are so many women getting Hashimoto's? Why is this such a women's disease? Could be, you know, we're all, we're put on birth control. It could be, we are so stressed out because we're usually the the dominant caregiver and we have so much emotional mental work that we have to do as mothers. But then I was like, if this, if trauma harbors inside of us and ancestral trauma is a thing, our female ancestors went through so much trauma with the patriarchy, with everything. I was like, I mean, it's, there's gotta be a reason it's passed down woman to woman. Like my, my grandmother has a thyroid disease. My mother has a thyroid disease. So then that got me thinking, I'm like, we really need to like heal this, cut these ancestral trauma ties. And I mean, this is like another area to work on because it goes really deep. Absolutely. It's funny you say that because that's come up as a conversation I've had with a couple of people and and even in my own family talking about that and patterns that we see in our life. So for anyone that's thinking, what is that? What is ancestral healing that needs to happen? Often we see patterns with our family that are repeated. And sometimes we even see same, the same traumas come up. So certain things happen and we often see people die at the same ages, all these kinds of things. And, you know, why is it that that happens? It's a very deep question. Yeah. And, you know, but we've got to understand that like biologically as cells, we were in our grandmothers, like, which is a bit of a weird thought. So you, you understand. And then that grandmother, she was, you know, so she was with her grandmother. So really can understand how far back 
And quite quickly, even though in your mind and you look at the time and linear way of looking at it, seems like a long time ago, but really wasn't. And what was happening with them, especially for people that have been experienced like war, things like that, where it's, you know, very confronting trauma, how that passes down, even into our behaviors and things like that. So we could do a whole, <laughs> we could do a whole podcast oh my God, episode that, on that's that. That's just like the tip of the iceberg. Oh, that's where it came from is that my husband's Jewish and his family's Jewish. Yeah. And his brother had sent, you know, this little, I guess it was on Twitter or something. And it said, if you want to know why so many of us Jews are neurotic, it's because we literally like had to make, we had to read the vibes back in Germany. We had to like, we knew something was wrong and we had to escape. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yes, like that makes so much sense. The traumas that they went through, some of the worst trauma you could possibly go through. It definitely comes, it shows up in later generations. Yeah. And I mean, there's even research now talking about yeah. um, like PSD and different kinds of traumas that come through through people that have been experienced war and it's changed their DNA. And yeah. then children experience the trauma, even though they haven't been through it and they don't under the child doesn't understand like where's it coming from? Why am I in this terrible state? Um, I need to be medicated. Where does it come from? But it's actually come through from the parent who's experienced right. it and it's changed their DNA. So it's a really, I mean, it'd be great to get someone on to talk about it because it's such a deep. I know, because I'm not an expert in it at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing though. But I think one of the things I wanted to ask you that when it comes to healing, and I know this is a bit of a strange question, but we talk about healing and wellness. Like we hear those two comments come up a lot. So do you think right. when we're healing something, we've got the intention that we're going to fix it? There's that idea that we've got the problem and we're going to heal it as in we're going to fix the problem and come out the other end being healed, being better. Do you think right. it comes to an end and then you go and focus on wellness as a long-term thing? Or do you think that you're always working on healing yourself? Do you think this is something that, you know, you can go through your whole life working on healing yourself and wellness goes in partnership with that? Hopefully that made sense. (laughs) Yeah, no, I think for sure that healing is a lifelong journey. And then wellness is just how we help that healing, like the wellness tools that we use to help our bodies heal, our minds heal, our spirit heal. Because like when you think, like I think of a cut and yes, the cut eventually heals, but then you still have a scar. So you're still going to have like some part of that that's there. Like, yes, I can heal my Hashimoto's and put it in remission, Mm -hmm. but I'm still going to have to work on healing, like keeping my body in that healing state. And maybe like I got COVID over the summer unexpectedly. And then I had to go through a whole new like healing regimen and kind of make sure that my whole immune system didn't get thrown off because of that. Mm. And, you know, I think there will be times where it won't be intense and that's when you can really just kind of like enjoy, enjoy the ride and, you know, have a, it'll be like a little quieter, but then you'll have these just like and valleys. It's just like life. Things go up, they come down. I don't think it's a, a one-stop fix and you're done healing for the rest of your life. There's always going to be something around the corner. And that's why I think, you know, the mindset aspect is so important because it's how we deal with those challenges. And like, what is more challenging than a health condition? Absolutely. Or an autoimmune disease. Yeah. 
I think that's a great point what you made because for some people they want it to be they want to see like a cure <laughs> you know they want yeah. to that's how they see healing is I'm healing because I'm out there for that cure but we can actually we can live with a lot of conditions we can still have them but they're not affecting us so right. it's I'm really glad you you mentioned that because for some people it's like the crusade of I'm going to get rid of this I will, it will not be with me anymore and that can happen like for people with pre-diabetes yes who revert their pre-diabetes but then you know you always need to be careful watching your blood sugar for the rest of your life and one thing that I want to add on I just had a thought and I just lost it <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's what it is, is yes, you know, you can get to a point where you're healed and maybe you're cured. Maybe, you know, the doctors get rid of your cancer and you're good. Mm. But what about what you just went through mentally? You really need to work on healing that. And I kind of think of my, my own journey because this has affected my mental health so much. You know, this disease comes with depression and anxiety and it's not, it's not great for your brain. So it, I'm kind of always healing, you know, I think back on the woman I was before I had this diagnosis. And sometimes I wish I was her again. Sometimes I wish, you know, this never happened to me, but that's not, it's not where you want to be mentally. So it's all now I'm kind of working on my mental health and just, you know, working on living with an autoimmune disease. Absolutely. I feel like there'll always be, once you kind of heal the body, then you kind of want to move on to taking care of your mind and yourself. Because it was, with such intricate detailed like beings that there's just so many parts and aspects to ourselves that we're still discovering and yeah I think you're right where when you've been through like a serious illness I know a lot of people that have experienced cancer will understand this that it's traumatic the whole experience is traumatic and so even though you can come out and say I don't have it anymore or I've, I've got it to a point where I can I can live with it there's a lot of trauma that then often yeah. has to be dealt with. And sometimes you think, yep, I'm good. I've worked through that. And there's another layer. And then a year later, something else comes up, you know, and we're always in that space of trying to figure out how do we move ourselves to that, that new place that's better for us. But it all comes down to that mental health and being kind to ourselves, I think as well. We're so, we can be so critical, <laughs> you know? I know. Yeah. We can, are the thoughts, the things we say about our own bodies, yeah, it can be some of the most hurtful. And that's something I also had to learn too, is I can't, if I expect my body to heal and recover and do the things I want it to do, like lose weight, shed this excess weight and the inflammation, I can't be saying things like, oh, you're disgusting. You're fat. You know, I'm never, I'm never going to lose this weight. Like you can't, because the mind and body are so interconnected. Yes. And so you really want to say really nice things about yourself. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, we know, we often hear people say like, talk to your plants and they grow better. Talk to your water. And that's a big one. And there's been studies, there's a very famous study about water and, you know, um, in Japan yeah. about the crystals inside right. of it when you talk nicely and when you don't. And, and I think, what are you doing to yourself if you're not kind to yourself? And we're made up of mostly water. So if you read that study, I mean, that speaks for itself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So you've got a lot of spiritual practices that you've brought into healing and wellness. And obviously these are some of the things that you talk to clients about as well when it's appropriate. So what are some mm-hmm. of your favorite spiritual practices that have really helped you in this healing space? I tell all my clients to meditate and I, I actually started making healing meditations for them. Mm. So things that I remember helping me just like, relaxing, 
bringing that green healing light. So working with chakras because the thyroid is in the throat chakra, which correlates to the light blue color turquoise. And so I do a lot of work, just the energy and chakras and just focusing on like bringing that light up through the body. Reiki was always an amazing one for me. Hopefully I want to get trained in Reiki eventually. So that's kind of on my list of things to do, but I really love going, getting that energy work because the things, there's always something they tell me from my higher self or my spirit guides. And it always resonates. They've never said anything where I'm like, that's not right. And so it's just always fun for me to go do that. Working with, I'll work with crystals or angels, you know, whatever I'm in the mood for. Sometimes I'll do like moon, like new moon or full moon rituals or manifestations, you know, something like that. What else do I like doing? Do you think you would have gone and gone into these things if you hadn't had the experience you've had with your health? Yeah, because I've always been into it. (laughs) And then I think, I found out that one of my, so my family were in the UK and then they came over on like the Mayflower to the US and we found a report that one of my relatives was a heretic and was burned at the stake. So I was, then I was like, wait a second, like, do I have witches in my family? So I got really into like, witchcraft and like the history of witches. And when you, it just resonated with me so much. I mean, I'm obsessed with cats and like (laughs) all these things kept like pointing. I'm like, yes, I'm like, yes. And so I got really into, you know, I'm into like holistic healing and natural ways to heal. I work with herbs, you know, I have a whole little herb garden outside that I use. And while I'm not like, I'm not like the best you know, most practiced witch in the world. I do use these practices in my health journey. I think that's an important thing to for people to yeah. know as well is that if something interests you and you're a little bit cold to it, go for it. There's nothing go for wrong it. With yeah. That. Because sometimes we think, am I being a bit strange or, you know, should I be doing this? And that's really And it's ego. so funny how like mainstream witchcraft is now. Like it's everywhere. Like it's cool. And like before it was very like secretive or like, you're weird. But when I really was like looking into it and I got, bought all these books and I read all these books about it Mm. and, you know, witches were the original, they were like the OG healers. Like that's who they were like the medicine women. Yeah. And I was like, this is probably why I'm so drawn to this because they, the patriarchy, like made them out to be these horrible people and persecuted them because they were actually doing women, you know, a service and they were healing them and helping them. And then it was, you know, that's midwives, like that whole history of midwives, like midwives used to deliver babies all of a sudden. And then doctors are coming in, these male doctors are coming in and persecuting them and bringing it all into this hospital system. And like, when you look at the history of women's health, it's just horrific what happened. And so I, like I used a midwife and a doula for my child it was amazing. I loved it. Like, I just, I'm not into, you know, the hospital system. <laughs> I'm sorry to any doctors or people who are listening, but it's, I'm just very into these, you know, natural. Yeah. And it's funny because like pro woman. Yeah. You mentioned like, we were talking about that 
ancestral healing and things like that but even looking at your past and how it's coming through into you and it can be interesting it doesn't have to just be a healing thing an ancestral healing aspect it can be like a little bit about our identity and things that that run through us and you often find that yeah you have no idea about your family lineage but when you go back and you look and you find out what did they do you often find that there's something that's a characteristic that you then yeah and I think that's really fascinating that that's yeah that's possible and when you find that connection there is something really lovely about that so yeah I'm glad you that you found that and like witchcraft is one of those things that you know society is deemed as being a, like a you know something that's not good or bad but when you strip away the layers like most things it's even looking at religions and things like that when we strip it all back there's actually a lot of really beautiful meanings and understandings underneath that that have have it up and yeah and like the main thing is you know whenever you're doing spell work or something it's I always put in like with harm harming no one with harm to none because it's you don't want to harm anyone you know it's not like voodoo it's not like you're getting revenge on people that's not what it is when you really look at it it's about energy and you never want to put anything out that could come back at you. So it's all, you know, when I'm doing it, it's all about like good vibes, healing, manifestation type yeah. work. I know I've I've heard um I've heard a lot of people talk about witchcraft with their gardens and that they grow yeah. a lot of things for it. And they said yeah. that like they've cultivated these beautiful gardens through that. So I think there's a lot of misconceptions and we really should get someone on to talk about witchcraft because it's you should. Yeah, it's yeah, something, yeah. yeah, it's something that could it's such an interesting that we can bring into our everyday life it's just that when we label it some people feel that fear of that but then you've got to sit with why do you feel that fear of that is that does that come from like a deep understanding that you've been burned at the stake at some point that kind of concept that you know that healing that we've got to go through that witch wound they call it yeah yeah so I know when we were speaking the other day, one of the really interesting things that came up in our conversation that I wanted to bring up today was your experience with geopathic stress and what this yeah. is. Some people might have never heard of this and it really got me thinking at the time and I had to go back and, you know, I thought, oh, this is making a lot of sense of some people I know around me. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about what it actually is. So, yeah, I had never heard of geopathic stress until... I went back to my amazing doctor, Dr. Manganero, and I was like, listen, I'm postpartum. I don't feel good. I feel like I do. I always go back to him. I'm like, listen, I feel like I did when I first came to you. And so this time he was like, okay. He's like, yeah, you know, your thyroid's a little off. Your autoimmune is high, but we're dealing with something new. And I was like, what? And he's like, there's geopathic stress. You are being negatively affected by geopathic stress. And I was like, okay, well, what changed from when I saw you before until now? And what had happened was I had moved. So I'd always been in the city or Brooklyn. And then I moved during COVID to Westchester. And we live on a lake and there's a stream. You know, I don't know what else is underneath the ground, but he was like, and I was like, oh my God, it's the house. Because I'd never, I just had like negative feelings and was always depressed and like hated the house. And I got really curious. I'm like, well, I need to know. Cause I always need to know. I need to look up everything and I need to know. He was like, just take these drops. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm not taking geopathic stress drops. Like I need to do whatever I can to get this house 
back in alignment so that I'm not feeling like this because I don't want any stress. So when you look it up, geopathic stress has to do with the energy under the ground of where you are. And it could be like fault lines. It could be water, you know, it could be structures. It's whatever is under the ground. And this earth is so old. There is bound to be something there. And they kind of, there's also another word that call it like sick building syndrome. Like if you are in a building and you always feel like angry or depressed, or you're always sick, or you just always feel bad. But then when you leave the building or you leave the house, you feel great. That could be a sign of geopathic stress. If there's geopathic stress on like a road or a house, it'll tend to deteriorate faster. So if you notice a lot of cracks or rotting or any of that, it could be geopathic stress. So What I did was I looked this all up and I was like, well, this is not good. I cannot live. I cannot live here, but I can't move. So what you can do for geopathic stress is you call a dowser. And I remember Googling this in his office because I was like, I need to get a dowser to my house immediately. (laughs) And so there's this woman, Jeannie Pasquale, where I live in Westchester and she's a dowser. So I made an appointment with her and she came to my house and I think she gave me an initial reading, like the house out of 10, it was like a three out of 10. So it was not good energy wise. So what she did was she brought these like copper hoops, circles made of copper, and she took out bad energy. She like found negative vortexes in the house. So there were a couple negative vortexes. And what she did was she just uh, put copper rods. So I have copper rods all over my house. You know, we try and hide them as best as we can, but there's a couple. There's like one, two, three, there's four on this floor, maybe one upstairs. But it was so interesting because I had like never heard of this before, but I was like, this makes so much sense. Like not only I was going through like a flare, but also being affected negatively by this geopathic stress kind of made it even worse. Because I remember being so tired, like being really fatigued is a symptom, really depressed. Like it really affects your mood. I just didn't like the house. Like I didn't feel good in it. Mm -hmm. And then once she did this, it wasn't like that day I felt better, but the energy, I did feel the energy lift. Like it shifted and she checked in with me and she was like, you're at like a 10 out of 10 now. Do you feel a difference? And I was like, honestly, yeah, like it feels really good. And there was a part, there was something in the yard too. She had to go put a copper rod somewhere out in the yard. And then she did tell us that there is one Uh, positive energy vortex in the house. So she's like, you know, you can meditate there. You can put like a crystal there. So I keep like a crystal in the positive vortex. (laughs) And, but yeah, I mean, I think that really helped. And then what's so interesting is I just got blood work done because I wanted to make sure post COVID that I wasn't having like long-term COVID symptoms or it didn't because it can affect your immune system. If you have an autoimmune disease, I just want to make sure I didn't have any spike proteins or anything leftover. And he was like, no, everything's good. And your geopathic stress is gone. So you don't have to take those geopathic stress drops anymore. And I was like, hmm, good yeah. to know. Yeah. It's so it's been, it's been almost a year, a little over a year since that happened, really made a huge difference, but yeah. it's something I would have never thought of. And I most know. people don't like, if you're going to tell someone, Oh, I'm, I'm affected by geopathic stress. Like who's going to believe you? But there's so many things around us that we can't physically see that affect us. I mean, the so, thing that I remember, like what I think about is everything is energy. 
Yeah. We, we are energy. So mm-hmm. our energy is going to be affected by the Earth's mm-hmm. electromagnetic energy. Like we are affected by energy, even though we can't see it. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, I okay. Thought. But it's funny because I've had, you know, we've had some work done in the house, some painters and this guy's like, there's this, he's like, well, there's this copper rod. And I was like, do not touch that. I was like, leave <laughs> that there. Do not touch that. Those stay. And I have to like make sure because some of, a lot of them are in the sinks, like in the oh. plumbing. So I have to make sure if we have a plumber come by, I'm like, please don't touch these copper rods. Like they have to say that. Oh, so funny because I, I've heard of people that have purchased houses and they could be like, they could be brand new houses that, you know, beautiful. Yeah. And they have had nothing but issues within the house, but there does not seem to be a problem. So every time someone, I know of someone who had a lot of issues with their water, like the things would leak and they would have like all growing and all these things. And they were at their wits end because they're like, this is a brand new house. What's going on? Every time we get someone out, they said there's no problem. And right. uh, they found that there's actually like very deep down, there's water that runs underneath the house, like quite yeah. down. Oh, wow. And they said, that's not good. You don't want to live on a house in a property where there's water running under you like a stream or anything no. like that. No. Not that they would ever know that. They ended up selling that house and moving somewhere else because just, did they? And they couldn't oh believe it. But yeah. It's a, and a lot of um, they had, they were in New Zealand and they had people come out and like smoke the house and try all sorts. Of, and they said to them at the time, if you've got water running under your house, it's not a good thing. So a lot of people were sort of commenting on this. It was almost like there just wasn't a word to give it. You know, it was just, this is maybe not a good vibe. Oh, and that's what they say. Like if you, if there's water underneath, that's geopathic stress. Yeah. Mm. That's so interesting. Yeah. Cause it's just something that most people wouldn't think of. And we do go into properties and homes where if you're someone that's very energetic and you feel things, yes. you walk in and think, I don't really like this. It doesn't feel right to me. So I would often right. go to a house or we're not, or we right. like parts of a house, which I think was interesting about what you were saying about, you know, different energy fields in different places of the house, that there are some. Yeah. Like you can have, you can have like a positive energy vortex in one room, but then have a negative. Yeah. And it can also, I was also reading dousing is what really helps, but also feng shui. So I think it also depends on how they've arranged it and like how, what the layout of the house is too. Yeah. So interesting. Cause I feel like houses are like living, breathing things as well. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. I live in a very old house and um, a little weatherboard house. And I feel like we're the caretakers, you know, that it it will be here for a lot, lot longer. It's been here for a long time. Um, And I actually have set up my desk in a very strange position in the room, but because it faces a certain way. And when I sit this way and I have a mirror behind me, that's a bit of a feng shui thing. It feels a lot better. So if you're ever trying to do work or something and you feel like it's not really feeling quite right to you, you know, you can shift your space and face a right. different direction. And, you know, you can feel a lot better working like that, even though logically <laughs> just didn't sit right. it doesn't make sense. Yeah, it doesn't make sure. sense. I made it work. Yeah. But, you know, for a lot of us trying to get that, we can feel the energy, but knowing how to work with that energy is different because you're sort of working with something that's a little bit invisible. Right, right. But when we change it, how good do we feel, you know, when we, we change that energy? And your home is an important space. Very important. You spend so much time there, yeah. And another good thing just for anyone listening to do in your home, something easy is another thing I got from my doctor. It's called an EMF plug. It's called a Lemurian plug. 
So it helps to just, you know, protect you from any electromagnetic mm. energy because that also, you know, that also affects us. Like it's, you never want like your wireless router too close to you. In ours, I think in our house, it's right below where our bed is. So I'm always like, ah. Mm. So at least, I mean, we have this plug, so I feel better. But like, I always kind of think about, okay, well, how far away is the router? I wish it could be far, farther away, but we have so many electronics in our house and we're surrounded by all this electrical energy as well. So it's like, you want to try and protect myself as much as possible. Yeah. And we, we're only getting to understand how that affects us yeah. in any way at the moment, you know, so yeah. there are some people that say they have an extreme, they're extremely affected by them. Others don't have a problem. And it's, we're only just getting into understanding that, which is, you think about 20 years, that is 100 years, we're going to understand it so much better than than what we do now. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, Sarah, thank you so much for this chat today because this has been so much fun. And I know like last time we spoke, it went in all these directions and it was so much fun. So I really appreciate you you jumping on today. So I know that there will be people that want to come and check you out and um, and find you. So where are some of the places that they can find you or how can they work with you? So my website is thethyroidtrainer.com and I'm also on Instagram at thethyroidtrainer and I have some free workouts for Hashimoto's on YouTube and yeah, I work, um, I have a bunch of free resources. I write a blog, you know, just trying to help people educate themselves about Hashimoto's and how they can manage it. I just launched my first course. Hashi Fit. So it's like a six week fitness and wellness journey for Hashimoto's. People are going through it right now, which is really exciting. And, you know, I checked in with them and I'm like, how's it going? So, you know, when you have something for the first time, you don't know exactly how it's going to go. You know, I poured like my heart and soul into it. So I'm like, I'm hoping they like it. So they do, which it's really fun to hear back. So that hopefully I'll probably open that back up in January. Mm -hmm. And then I do, you know, one-on-one coaching. Yeah you know, just trying to help people get to where I am now because it just feels so much better. Yeah. You've got some amazing content and you've got a beautiful website. So anyone that uh, maybe wants to dive into it a bit more, or you're just curious about it, if it's any boxes and you're thinking this could be possibly something or someone, you know, might have something like this, but you've just got some really interesting stuff on your website. So definitely go and, and check out Sarah's content. So thank you again, Sarah. Really appreciate you jumping on today. Thank you, Verity. This was so fun. Thank you for having me. No worries. Thanks for listening to another magical episode. Make sure you subscribe to the show in your podcast app so you don't miss another episode. And we'd love you to share the podcast with any family or friends who might be interested in the show.